everyone, welcome to our bonus podcast Q&A edition this time. And together with me, representing Chicago Bulls, Ritis Vishnauskas. What's up, Ritis? Hello, hello. Uh, it's nice to represent such a legendary franchise wearing Ben Gordon's jersey. The last uh, jersey, the last player's jersey, let's say you can predict of, right? Um, When you see Bulls. I wouldn't say it's a completely random player because Ben Gordon was actually really solid for some seasons but usually he was really solid f- f- in my nba life game and in my nba yeah, life career in, actually in real life he, he was, was good also score. pretty good you yeah. know <laughs> but yeah usually if you see a chicago bulls jersey your first uh, guess would be michael jordan then you would guess scotty pippen probably and then from modern days derrick rose but here we are ben gordon <laughs> chicago bulls yeah Here we are, we're all, with almost 100 questions we received for this Q&A edition. Thank you all f- for that. And thanks for your feedback we, s- we received after the last episode. Yeah. We had 132 comments uh, below uh, the last episode. So, and some, some feedback was really stunning and we'll get there quickly. But let's let's start with the first question from, from uh, our listener, Alexander Prosciutto. Uh, How much football Ukraine national team shirts Ritis has? Uh, because I, I guess it's more than casual fan of Ukraine national team in Ukraine has. And greetings from Ukraine to you guys. Great show. Thanks for insights and analysis. Hope to see you in person yep. at Euros in September. Uh, Alex is a diehard Ukrainian basketball journalist. He also has his uh, podcast and you can follow him on Twitter, Alex uh, Prosciutto. We hope, uh, Alex, you're, you're okay in Ukraine at the moment. Um. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I just have two. Um, uh, I bought them both on on an auction, and one I I've, I've bought like I don't know. I want to say like four years ago. It was Yermolenko's shirt. Okay. Uh, it's not f- a secondhand shop. Uh, no, story, no, no, no. It's like it, with it, Benz. No, no, no. It, it, it's a shirt he wore when when he faced Lithuania mm. in a in a qualifier. Okay. And the second one that I had on last week. In our podcast is uh, Dmitry Chigrinsky from 2008 from from the European Championship. So both are legit official Ukrainian national team shirts. And I only have two of those, but actually I'm going to buy Zinchenko as well. Okay. So I need to have at least three because uh, Zini is, is, is one of my most beloved players right now. And of course, at the same time, I support Ukraine a lot. And uh, Alex, just thank you for your comments and, and, and the question. And uh, yes, I support Ukrainian national team. I'm actually going to cover their game on Wednesday uh, against Scotland. It's a World Cup qualifier. And Which I'm, one I'm, you will wear? I don't know. I will decide. <laughs> Probably Yarmolenko because he's still playing. Uh, but I cannot hide it. Usually as a commentator, you have to be neutral. But in this case, I'm definitely cheering for Ukraine. Probably you've noticed that Ritis has some issues with his voice and yeah. it's not because of some, some hangover. Some people say it's kind of sexy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, game seven, man. Two greatest words in basketball, as they say. Game seven. It, it, it was this last night. or And just th- a lot of commentating in the yeah. last few yeah, weeks, actually. Yeah, ACB League. Uh, and after the NBA, I, I got back home on 7 a.m. I had some sleep. Not too much. 
today I also featured in a football podcast, so I came here, you know, yeah, the voice is suffering a little bit. It's the end of the season. Everybody has some issues. As PG Tucker said, at this point of the season, nobody is 100% healthy. <laughs> Neither am I, <laughs> but we're going to get through yeah, this. Yeah, we actually had some podcasts postponed because of health issues of yeah. one of our uh, hosts, uh, co-hosts, uh, let's say. And, you know, we have this amazing European basketball community with some amazing uh, listeners and viewers. And I can see some some specialists over there. So if you have any advices how to help, let's say to recover your voice, mm. uh, maybe there are some other journalists or commentators listening to us, feel free to share your- I've tried a lot of different methods, you know, mm. and they, it, it helps me get through a broadcast. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, you can feel that I'm a little bit tired. And as you said, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I haven't been drinking recently, but well. The next one stunned me, really. Jordan Baber. Um, I will read the entire comment. Uh, to start, you guys are too hard on yourselves and your self-assessment, both doing amazing and putting uh, great products out there. This is my first season as the EuroLeague fan, NBA fan living in Boston. Your podcast helped inspire me to attend the Belgrade Final Four, and now I think I must go every year. Wow, just wow, really. Yeah. Well, I never dreamed of having that kind of impact, you know? Well, first of all, I can only assume that a person living in Boston probably is a Boston Celtics supporter, so huge congratulations on winning another Game 7. Two Game 7 victories in, in the same playoffs is huge, and it shows how great uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, all these guys are, and how much this Boston team grew over the years and, and, and have a great mentality winning on the road against Miami Heat. So, first of all, shout out to you and to Boston, and at the same time, it's great to have some American listeners, actually, because there are a lot of great American players playing in Europe. Obviously, our podcast is more or less European-orientated, but uh, for me to see American basketball fans involving in EuroLeague, uh, it's great, really. I mean, they can see different basketball. They can see that in Europe, there's also uh, a lot of talent and that guys like Doncic, they don't come from nowhere. The EuroLeague is the platform where these players make their their big steps. And now if, if an American uh, basketball fan is seeing Vasa Mitic, he can start thinking, this guy is actually great. He's a Serbian player. He has been there for a while and he looks like NBA material. So it's nice to have uh, really Americans interested in, in the EuroLeague. Yeah, I hope Vembanyama will be one more reason to follow EuroLeague basketball it, it more closely be. next year. And Jordan has, has a question. What can I do to increase my knowledge about EuroLeague, including the top domestic leagues? I feel like I have 20 years of catching up to do and now it won't happen overnight, but I'm looking for ways to increase my knowledge of European basketball in general. That's actually a good question because um, we're yeah. living with European basketball with this passion for basketball, for example, in my case, since like I was four or it five. Was natural. So it was natural. So it's hard to make some tips to do to offer some tips for somebody who just jumped in recently. No, but I can say that, yes, you missed some important parts but actually this current format of euroleague only started in 2016 so it hasn't been that long and mm. and euroleague was changing all all the time and the format was different my advice would be um simply because there are some uh full games on youtube for example uh, you can find just watch some of those legendary final fours 
Final Four moments uh, that happened in the 21st century, you can find those games or at least highlights and you will have some knowledge about the biggest stars, the legendary players, yeah. the legendary moments. And I, I think that's enough because uh, honestly, EuroLeague wasn't creating any content like documentaries or anything like that about about their stories. So they it, did it, recently about recently, Luka, but, if we, but if we're talking yeah. about the past, yeah. it's difficult to dig in there. You can only find stats, uh, look through the rosters and, and watch some old Final Four games. That would be my advice. But honestly, in present day, we have the best product that we ever had. And if you just started watching EuroLeague in recent years, I think it's the best time for you to start following it. And um, just that's it. Be updated on the current events. Follow the scores, follow, follow the, the stories and listen to our podcast, of course. And there's no better way to stay up to date with the major European basketball news when just visiting basketnews.com uh, website daily or downloading basket news uh, yeah. app uh, from Apple Store or Google Play because you will find you will get all these notifications about the most important news. You will find the schedules uh, pretty easily, the detailed box scores, and the most importantly, yeah. uh, interesting stories behind uh, the main uh, events. And you mentioned one good thing: watching Euroleague finals. I remember during uh, COVID, during pandemic, during the lockdown. Uh, Euroleague, uh, they showed all Euroleague finals, I guess. So yeah, uh, the entire yeah. games, uh, they were um, broadcasted or showed on, on YouTube. So you can easily find these best games, let's mm. say, to, just to uh, recognize the growth of the league, the way the league was changing, and uh, at the same time to learn more about the history because of all these you know powerhouses being there for, for 20 years almost. It's yep. also important to understand the roots of it. I had a really great time during the lockdown re reliving actually all the uh, EuroLeague finals. And at the same time, some of the legendary NBA games, it was, yeah. it, oh, you it were was really nice. commentating all these games. Yeah, right? I had yeah. some games to comment from like a, a historic point of view. Uh, other than that, the national leagues, uh, as it was mentioned in the question, um, if, if you're an American fan, you're watching the NBA, the NCW, uh, NCAA, uh, I don't think there's much interest that to follow like the Italian league, the Spanish league. The EuroLeague is just enough for you to have a general idea about the quality of European basketball because the elite is in the EuroLeague, uh, in the leagues below. Yes, there is some talent, but usually if they're good enough, eventually they're going to step on the scene and be in the EuroLeague. So uh, just the EuroLeague with the current format, 18 clubs playing the full regular season, the quarterfinals, best of five, the final four, mm, absorb as much as you can. That would be my advice. Yeah, and if you want to learn about European basketball uh, more in detail, talking about X and O's, uh, I suggest following our colleague Augusta Schulauskas, August 05, uh, 04 on, on Twitter. Twitter yeah. And uh, of course, you can subscribe uh, uh, our YouTube channel because he makes some video breakdowns uh, for us. And yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much it. And Jordan had another question uh, about Nikola Mirotic. Uh, can Mirotic be the best player on a EuroLeague championship team? Uh, asking from the perspective of the NBA fan where you need someone who's a better creator to be your best player on a championship yeah. team. Unless you're Tim Duncan, K K KG, KG, sorry, yeah. Ken Garnett, which I think we Don't all disrespect the big can tickets. agree. I was just reading <laughs> KG's book today, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I think we all can agree Mirotic is not, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, on the defensive end, of course. He, he's exposed a, a, a lot, especially when he faces a guy like Yabusele, for example, in his physicality. But, you know, um, the tendencies in, in, in the EuroLeague are kind of similar to the NBA. The creators are the ones who lead the way, but still uh, in, in Europe, you can win games with a power forward being your best player, your most talented player. Mirotic is the highest paid player in, in Europe. And it's not like Barca was far away from a championship uh, this year or last year. They were just a couple of shots away. So Mirotic is not really the problem. You can yeah. build a team around Mirotic. But of course, um, if you want to be successful, you need his energy on offense, which means other guys in the lineup have to be good defensively. They have to put a lot of energy on defense because Mirotic is a player that generates points. And you need a good point guard to run the show, definitely. But I, I can see a team winning the championship easily with Mirotic uh, if other pieces around him are, are good enough. Uh, but I get where the question comes from because obviously if... if um, he was watching uh, Mirotic in the NBA, for example, when he mm. played for Chicago or for Milwaukee. He was a stretch four. He was a spot-up shooter, and you couldn't imagine that he could be like a key player leading the team. But in Europe, is a little bit different. Uh, I think his skill set is, is is really amazing, and Sharas knows how to use his best quality. So um, I don't think there's any problem with Mirotic. Actually, it's not why Barca lost the final four. Yeah, that's that's where the next question is actually important. Uh, the question was asked by Moha. Uh, what does Charles needs to win EuroLeague? And I think that uh, they were healthy Corey Higgins away from winning the EuroLeague. Healthy Corey Higgins or any other elite backcourt uh, uh, player. Because uh, we didn't see Corey Higgins in a year. He was always in and out uh, due to all these injuries. Uh, and probably we forgot how important he was the last year where he was averaging 13 points per game. He was consistent. He made this uh, game winner against Milan. Just and yesterday he made a game winner exactly. against, against Grand Cup. Just reminded how good of a player he is. I wish he was, let's say, returning to, to the court two months uh, before just to reach his peak for the Final Four because yeah. he was like a week or two uh, here with the team after three months out. So... I think I really think that they were so close, and Corey Higgins or any other backcourt scorer is a must for any team, it, despite having Nikola Mirotic on your team, and or even Laprovitola playing his best basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to me, it's even more simple. Uh, when we're talking about Barcelona, they are a team with the biggest budget in the league, and you cannot just say that they need something extra, like no, to sign no. some other players. But it's just as simple as. For Sharas to win the EuroLeague, he needs to have his team making a few more shots and making a few more stops because that's how close it is. They lost in the El Clasico in the semifinal in the last seconds. If they went to the final, who knows what, what could have happened. Last season, they, they beat uh, Milan with a buzzer beater, as you said, from Corey Higgins. So it's always going to be that close when uh, you were playing the decisive game and both teams are kind of of similar strength potential. Um so uh, Sharas, well, sometimes when Barcelona loses a game, you, you start analyzing it and you're thinking that Sharas is just sometimes overcomplicating things for his players. His team plays with some strict rules, right? Which Anadolu Efes doesn't do and they're back-to-back -back champions. But 
when these teams play each other, it's always going to be like this. It's always going to be close, tight games. And eventually, if Sharas continues with Barca, with this budget, with players like Mirotic, he's going to get the title. Pablo Lasso, when did he get his first title with Madrid, having all these great players? They lost a couple of final yeah, fours. They suffered like three or four years. They suffered right? some losses. Mirotic was on the same team actually in Madrid those in those days, and they were losing. They were unlucky a little bit against Maccabi, against uh, Olympiacos, you can say. So pff, you're just gonna have to get through this, and and eventually they're gonna win it, I believe. Umut Yazlar, do you believe Satoransky Vesely duo in Barcelona has the potential to become the killer floor general that Sharas uh, needs? Well, Satoransky Vesely duo. We've seen them in FIBA uh, for for the Czech Republic team. They feel great playing with each other. It's a great pick-and-roll combo. Vesely is one of the best pick-and-roll centers in, in the league. Satoransky, uh, we haven't seen him for a long time in the EuroLeague, but he improved as a player a lot being in the NBA. He He's a tall point guard, which is already great for you to build a good defensive team. And at the same time, he has so much skill a true floor general who can actually be aggressive, attack the rim, score. He improved as a shooter. When he left Barca, he was not a very consistent shooter. Now I believe he's better shooting the ball. So Satoransky and Vesely, when you sign players like this, it already solves so many problems for your roster. And any teams would love to, any coach would love to have them together on the same roster because at the same time they already have a connection because they're both from Czech Republic. Um, so yeah, but if they're coming, obviously we see them as replacements. Vesely replacing Brandon Davis and, and Satoransky probably replacing Nick Kaladis. I'm not sure about but, that. But it doesn't make too much sense for me to have Satoransky and Kaladis both on your on your team. I, for me, it's also very weird, uh, but me personally, I didn't hear any indications that Kalaitis is leaving or he will be available on the market. And actually, I heard that Sharas might try to play both Satransky and Kalaitis together. Mm. Kind of, uh, it reminds Panthnaikos team with Diamantidis, Isikavichus, Panoulis, yeah, or two whatever. Two ball handlers, close, close. it's okay. I mean, they're yeah. both good on defense, which, but which I, is I important. I see but some issues with spacing, with shooting. If you have Kalaitis, Satransky, and Vesely in the court, I mean... Then Maybe. okay, Mirtic is okay, but then you must. Then if if in the third position, for example, you're playing like Nigel Hayes or, or Sergio Martinez again, they're not that great as spot up yeah. shooters. So there I, are some I, concerns. I, I get what Do you're saying. Sounds but good, but there are some health issues with Vesely, some spacing, some shooting concerns with Satransky. Of course, they're going to have a deep roster because you know that Vesely sometimes get injured, so you're going to be prepared for that. You will have other options at center position, but I get what you're saying and. If if I would sign Satoransky, uh, I would sign him to be my main point guard yeah, 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 yeah. who leads the way, and I wouldn't have Nick Kaladis as a backup. I don't. I cannot see Nick being a backup to someone. And I don't want him as a shooting guard. I need Corey Higgins, Shane Larkin. No, then as again, my shooting if heart, Satoransky uh, is like a shooting guard, and and Kaladis is the primary ball handler, it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah, to me. Yeah. So I don't know. But um, it, when Sharas is signing players, he always has an idea. Like when he signed Thomas Walker for Jalgiris, we didn't see Thomas Walker as a point guard. But Sharas, I'm not sure if he saw. But Walker eventually, as a point guard. eventually, he uh, became a point guard. Yes, he, but he was he used as a it. shooting guard or a small forward in the beginning. But eventually, he became a replacement for for Mitic. Yeah, and so we'll see what's, what what what's going to happen. Uh, there are some other big names 
being thrown around and and mentioned in Barcelona discussions as as potential signings like Shingelia and and then again we were talking like if they sign Shingelia then what why would you have him and Mirotic on the same team but we'll see what's going to happen yeah Charles as you mentioned he has something inside his mind like Sertar Shanli uh, transfer was also so unexpected weird. Yeah. La Pravitola signing was also weird. Yeah, a lot of weird signings, but, but they when you out. watch them playing, you kind of understand why yeah. he did all these moves. Uh, so Eduardo also had, Eduardo Merino also had a similar question about Sato and, and Calaitis about uh, about their future. But I will uh, take the second question. Uh, I use our podcast to learn English. Uh, how have you learned English? Thank you. What's your uh, story? To make the long story short, Cartoon Network, MTV, NBA and video Life. games. Yeah, NBA Life those and World three, Basketball those Manager. Those three things. Because when Lithuania uh, regained independence, and we are children of independence, we were born in 1990s. Uh, so um, even though my birth certificate is still Soviet Union because we were three months away from, okay. from independence. But anyway, when we regained independence, And after like five or six years, we started watching the NBA. We got the product from America, then Cartoon Network, then MTV. Um, I was listening to Eminem, Linkin Park, all these groups. Uh, first of, at first, I didn't understand any of the lyrics, but eventually, as a child, you you are a good learner. You're picking up everything. You're picking up words. You're translating i had a vocabulary i was translating i was watching uh, a lot of cartoons for example then i discovered video games when we had a, a pc at home uh, afterwards a playstation so all these things helped and when i was a teenager um my english i wouldn't say was completely fluent but i could easily have a conversation with someone who is an english speaker and after school i, I actually graduated in english philology For four years, I've been studying it. I have a bachelor's degree. Mm, so I can actually speak with a British accent, but I, I prefer American English. Uh, so that's my story. We can also speak Russian Serbian accents. <laughs> Sounds funny as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's but true. you cannot imagine how Cartoon Network was significant for it preparing our first English speakers so in Lithuania. It's amazing. Government, yeah. Our government should do something about it. Just, you know... Uh, also, their uh, thankfulness. Later on, not only Cartoon Network, also movies. I, I, I've started watching movies with the original Legal language. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, it was like this. Piracy was was on a rise in Lithuania in those days. So yeah, simple things really. And uh, now it's easier. And, and basketball language again. Uh, ever since like 2006, when I I I started purchasing the NBA League Pass always watching those games with NBA commentators, listening to Jeff Wangani, you're picking up words, you're picking up those certain, you're picking up certain terminology and words like spacing, pick and roll, whatever. 30 years ago, nobody was using those words talking about basketball in Lithuania, but right now it's natural. So yeah, it, it was an interesting process. Actually, I, I think it's safe to say that at least in Vilnius, in the capital of Lithuania, you can easily use English as a language and, oh, yes. and and you will be served in restaurants and bars. You can have conversations on the streets very easily with younger people. Oh yeah, and that's a tough one. Els Yadori Boshi, uh, 
he's thankful for bringing this EuroLeague community together. Also very nice comments. Uh, thanks for your uh, feedback, Ellis. Uh, he has a question. Can you remember any other, perhaps forgotten, European players, a European player like Printesis with unique shot mechan mechanics? And uh, I saw a few other comments and they were bringing Walter Berry uh, name mm -hmm. on the table. Mm. Me personally, actually, you know, I didn't go deep with all these names because I watched Edgar Osolano was making all these three-pointers weekly. And also, I mean, there's Zach Day with his strange shot, not only outside yeah, shooting. Yeah, covering his eyes when he shoots. Yeah, that's also an interesting one. He's just really, but Zach really Day, like he kind of gets stuck in the air. He get, yeah. hangs in there for a couple of seconds and makes this crazy shot. Yep. which also uh, usually goes when in. we're talking about bigs it's easier to find examples but i was thinking about pure shooters like shooting guards and uh, one um release i wouldn't say it is as unique as printers it's it's a good release but it, it it stuck in my head as a little bit unorthodox was drew nicholas actually okay he was stroking the ball mm. and well, he was he was a great shooter, shooter. he was yeah. he was a very successful shooter a very good player a very good teammate, a very smart player, but his release was different. Again, you cannot compare anybody to Printesis because he is so unique, especially when he's shooting with his left hand, even though he's a right-handed uh, basketball player. So, um, yeah, but the Lithuanians, our lefties, yeah, Ulanovas, Jankunas, you could mention them. Uh, John Hawk, uh, is is it true? Is it true the rumor about Dimitri Sutudis going to Fenerbahce next year? Well, I can confirm because he's already kind of speaking on behalf of Fener. I mean, building the roster for the next year, and I know for sure that Ceska is looking for a new coach. They have some, let's say, other and different names on their list than they had before with all these top coaches. Uh, so there's a, another follow-up question. With the departure of Vesely and most likely Decolo and the uncertainty of the new head coach, well, it's there's no uncertainty. this is going to be the head coach. But anyways, how do you see Fenerbahce in the next season? What moves could they make? Uh, er, and what will happen to Fenerbahce uh, if Vesely and Decolo leaves? Mm. Bottom team, maybe? Nah, I wouldn't nah. agree. I wouldn't agree. Yeah. Already for signing Itudis, there's a clear idea how you're going to build a team to be competitive so he wouldn't go to uncertainty. Uh, actually, well, I want to praise myself a little bit because okay. I made some really bad predictions throughout the season, but uh, like a few months ago I said it would make so much sense for, for Fenerbahce to hire Itudis ah, okay. as the new coach. And at the time, Georgievich was still doing a pretty good job. But and we didn't have war, yeah, right? Yeah, we did not ah, have okay. war. There were Russian clubs still in the EuroLeague. But I was saying that Itudis would make a lot of sense. He is um, someone from Br Jelko Bradovic's coaches free three, mm -hmm. like you can say that. And uh, he is a very good modern coach with clear ideas how he wants his team to play and putting a lot of emphasis on good spacing. So I, I can only guess that some of his first signings should be like players capable of playing the stretch four position and shoot the basketball. And then of course you need good point guard, uh, you need good perimeter players. And the Colo and Vesely leaving might sound like a bad thing, but the Colo is aging. 
Vesely had a lot of injuries. It's not like they are irreplaceable. They are one of the greatest European players right now in, mm. in, in the EuroLeague. But I cannot say they are irreplaceable. Uh, you can find a point guard. I mean, Lorenzo Brown, for example, when he first played in Fenerbahce, he looked like a different player. Right now, you're looking at him as a very solid point he guard. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Hackett. And to this could see him in his, let's say, role. Yeah. So maybe they will have a lower budget. But uh, right now, we saw them investing most of the money to the key players without having a very deep squad. The approach might be different next, next season. Uh, you might not have superstar names big names but you could have a really solid deep roster we'll see what's going to happen but it all starts from the head coach and i believe that hiring it is the best they could have done so let's just see what other pieces they will add but uh with with uh, the know-how of Itudis and and mauricio gerardini i mean only good things can happen in my opinion yeah i'm excited about this I'm rebuild. gerardini or gerardini? gerardini i'm always getting confused gerardini. gerardini right yeah yeah sorry for that uh i'm excited about this rebuild um i wanted to see how this team will look like uh, in let's say post vesselis era uh they probably took the best coach uh, for this team. There were rumors about them having a budget decrease, yeah. but from what I've heard, they should stay in at the same level, which is somewhere around 25 million, yeah. which is okay to build a good top uh, A team. And you know what? Uh, like last season, they had so many bigs. Vesely was playing too often, in my opinion, as a, f as a number four in the fourth position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right now, okay, this, I see a very different approach. Re you're rebuilding the team. For example, you have Devin Booker. He's a great center. He's a great player. Of course, he also needs to be healthy. He had some some problems before, but he he's a really good center who can. He has a soft mid range touch. He can play in the paint. So and I, again, I, it's already a great player. Even though uh, Stephen A. Smith said that Devin Booker didn't show up for Phoenix in, in Game Seven, which was really unfortunate. <laughs> he had a game in Istanbul, but but I still believe that Devin Booker is a great Euroleague center. And I, I kind of see this going small again. If you remember, he won the EuroLeague with Kyle Hines and, and Otello Hunter oh, yeah. in the center the position. Playing switch all. He, he played switch all. He had shooters, uh, spot up shooters on, on power forward position. And with Vesely gone, uh, with kind of limited uh, free agency, because, you know, what's interesting about this rebuild that it's going to be hard to find superstar center and point guard because the market is really dry for both of these positions and all these big big fishes in center position, for example, they're already moving, uh, switching places and you will have to think a little bit out of the box. For example, even for the point guard position, it's really to find, uh, hard to find any other available point guard because, again, Lorenzo Brown, he's the free agent. But at the same time, I'm not sure how it goes with the current front office of Fenerbahce who had some experiences Brown with Lorenzo Brown. probably have some offers to choose from. But oh, of course, of course. So but if we're talking about switch-all defense, uh, we're always emphasizing centers, but a tall point guard is yeah, also yeah. a must. And Lorenzo Brown just makes a lot of sense in this case. Yeah, and for example, there were rumors that Fenerbahce were after Paris Lee, who ended up signing with Panathinaikos. It would just wanted Paris Lee as a, as a backup uh, guard. So I would, I could clearly see them signing, for example, Chris Jones uh, fitting that role. Mm. Uh, but yeah, again, for the main point guard position for the center, I think that they will have to be smart. They will have to be creative, but they have 
the best people in that position to be creative, they starting from Mesudis to Gerardini to other people yeah. who are building the team. So I, I'm really excited about about this team because they will change uh, significantly, mm -hmm. and I'm very curious this to see. This should be competitive for the player oh, playoffs yes. anyway. Oh, yes, oh, yes. They were so unlucky in the recent years because of all the injuries and stuff. And and Vesely Decolo, they had so so many great moments with this club. But now it's time for some changes, and it's normal. It always happens. Ege Yavuz Bachchesi. Sorry for for the for spelling, but uh, for pronunciation. But I tried my best. Uh, how do you interpret the lack of local players in both Turkish teams, Euroleague championships? It's nothing new, right? I'm gonna be cynical. I couldn't care less. It's club, club, uh, basketball, club level. Um, who cares um, how many local domestic players you have? I know there there are some rules imposed in in some leagues in, in Lithuania, in Italy, in Spain. It's even oh, in it, Turkey is different in Turkey. Okay, which is why guys like Shane Larkin get Turkish passports. But I I honestly don't care. For me, it's about the quality. You're trying to build a championship winning team and you have a big budget. So you always go, you're going for quality and talent. You would love to have like Chetty Osman on your roster, but it's not possible. He's an NBA player, Furkan Korkmaz or somebody like that. But realistically, there are no Turkish players that could make a difference. You have Dogosh Balbay as a team captain, lifts the trophy maybe he's important for the locker room and he looks like a really good professional but always you're gonna have uh, foreign players leading the way americans serbians uh, croatians uh, whatever so it's 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 not about that and 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 when they're winning i don't think that fs fans really care a lot about how many turkish players there were on the court playing important minutes because it's it's not only about the turkish teams you can see Bayern munich you can see um Okay, the Spanish clubs maybe they have some quality, but even, even still, Marsa, I mean, the main players are not playing. Is just because Mirotic has the Spanish passport, yeah. so Basconia they don't have and any, any it, Spanish. I, I players. think that this local core thing is something from the previous era. We, it's we a little remember bit overrated. Olympiacos, yeah. okay, Real Madrid they they won the Euroleague, having strong, very good quality uh, Spanish players, but now the era is changing. To me, it's always about signing the best quality you can get for for a certain position and Jalgiris for example is trying to go the Lithuanian way and and it, it didn't work out this season when you're preferring a Lithuanian player just because he's from Lithuania not because he's more skilled or better than some foreign player you could could afford to sign it's very simple if there is a possibility to get a great Turkish player and have him on your roster Nice. Everybody on would good love money, that. Which is also yeah, very everybody important. would love that. Not overpaying them. But what we're seeing right now, the elite Turkish talents are in the NBA. And there are no really Turkish players that make the difference in the Euroleague like Ibrahim Kutlai was or Sherkan Erdogan and all these other guys back in the days. And, and you know what? I think that what I said about these teams from 2000s having strong local core, I think it was also related to the fact that it was important to win domestic championships uh, to stay in the EuroLeague. Now, domestic leagues, they don't have yeah. any meaning, so you can Definitely. play two different lineups, two different rosters. You can play some youngsters 12s, in, the, in, exactly, in the regular season games. There's there's no meaning of that, so, so maybe it's also related to this fact. Uh, Red Hippo, 
probably since not only you predicted Oli's good run since last summer but you also gave them chances for the final four during the season could you please also tell me the numbers of the next lottery that's kind of uh, nice 41 24 7 3 <laughs> good luck <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> now nah, but the the serious question about Olympiacos is what could Olympiacos do better to become your league uh, your league champions that's the question we got we received from Double A, uh, double L, Harold, Alexander, and Nick T. There's not much really. Keep the core players. Um, sign a backup power forward in for Prontez's spot. Somebody who could be a backup to Sasha Vezenkov, and maybe add more quality replacing guys like I don't know Quincy, AC, Jean Charles. You can get somebody better uh, to be the eight, ninth, tenth. 11 12 guy because the season is very long you need everybody and other than that they're all set to go costas lucas still has a lot in him uh, if you keep tyler dorsey it's great other players are really they're in in their Thomas peak Wolkup, actually the zenkov foul hassan martin you can go with the same more or less the same roster again and challenge for the final four and as long as you make it to the final four you're always going to have a shot to to be the champion. They were really close to winning the semifinal, actually. Yeah, and of course, we have to understand something about Olympiacos that we shouldn't take Final Four for granted. I mean, I know, this is not yeah. the team of Barca's of Real budget. But at the same time, as I mentioned, they were so close of winning the EuroLeague. They were just two games away uh, of winning the EuroLeague. Uh, and just making these small improvements, the, the important thing is that they will keep their core. The, the core, uh, they are still at their peak. And of course, it's, it's not going to be easy to find a better scorer than Tyler Dorsey having Olympiacos budget. But at the same time, yeah, uh, AC, he didn't play, he couldn't play, so you can find something better. Jorgos Printesis, he was amazing vet. He gave some solid uh, minutes. He made some important shots even the, during the playoffs. But I sincerely think that they can improve in this backup yeah. position of Vizenkov. And making all these slight, slight changes, you know, it, it, it will push them forward in this Final Four. So, so yes, yeah, it's, it's not that far away. One pure shooter, for example, could really fit uh, that team. And... The like you said, back up to Vezenkov so he wouldn't have to play 36 or 37 minutes or close to 40 in, in some of the most important games. Someone you could actually trust. I know it's not that easy to bring a player knowing he's going to be a backup. If, if you're a player and, and you have an offer for from Olympiakos, you're a power forward, you know you're going to be a backup because Vezenkov is there. So you're going to have limited minutes. Uh, so in, uh, in this case, it, it's a little bit easier to sign a hungry veteran who who is still hungry for titles uh. than to go for somebody that has great stats, for example, a, a huge skill set. He will not be happy as a backup. So uh, a veteran player in this case would make more sense. But again, it, it's not. It, it's like a small detail. We're not talking like Olympiacos needs star power yeah. to sign some superstar players. Of no, course, if no. Doris is, is leaving, that's a bit different conversation. Okay, it's important you, piece. You're, you're going to have to sign a shooting guard, but you might find it's some options. like uh, trying to replace know, uh, Darren Lucas, Hiller for or players like that. You, you could find some options. There is one in, uh, on the market. Okay, he's kind of uh, locked in Moscow right now, but he's looking for a way out. Yorgos Vasilis uh, asks... Uh, Greetings from Greece. Uh, do you think that Marius Grigonis would 
suit Olympiacos in the new season? If so, in, in which position? Probably it's the position is clear. Well, shooting he's guard. replacing Tyler Dorsey yeah. if he's coming and if Dorsey is leaving. But do you think that it's a good replacement? It would be a good, good replacement for Olympiacos. Well, he's a different player. He's not someone who's going to score a lot in ISO like Dorsey does. He's, he, he's not the most, most athletic guy, but as a shooter, he, he's very good shooting transition freeze. And if he's playing alongside Lucas, he will always have some opportunities. Um, question is about the money, obviously. Do you want to invest uh, like 700,000 euros to a role player who only complements the team? Because Dorsey can be the leader. Dorsey, in some games, he can be the main guy. I don't think Rigonis has that in him for a club like Olympiacos. Well, it, I mean, uh, the last Lithuanian he brought in the roster was Kuzminskas. It was not a success. I think Rigonis would be much better. And But I don't know. I honestly, I, would have I honestly would like to have a more athletic player who who is a good defender also because walk-up is, is great on defense. Dorsey is was really good on defense this season. And Dorsey can also be a ball handler, a creator. So I don't know. I wouldn't go for Grigonis if I'm Olympiakos, actually. I think that Dorsey's way better scoring. Yeah. Scorer and yeah. ISO situations playing on one-on-one. -on -one. He's just a pure scorer. scorer. I think that Grigonis is a better, let's say, playmaker, uh, pick-and-roll player, but they already have enough pick and roll stars, starting from Kostas Lucas, even Thomas Walkup. So I think that they need this elite uh, scoring skill from their shooting guard. For the market value, you can get somebody better, I believe, because- There are some names. There is, for example, Billy Barron, who might be available. Yeah. Uh, who else? I don't know. Isaiah Cannon, Okobo. Of course, if Okobo is staying in Europe, which is very questionable. Macon. These names, they're not, they're not so sexy. Uh, You're not sh so, you know, completely sure about them. Yeah. But... Well, Billy Barron... Bar but I would, would look for different options. Billy Barron would be cheaper, obviously, than Grigonis. And and he's a veteran. Could be, could be. He's all right. Yeah. But we will see. I mean, they can find somebody. And again, let's not rule out the option of, of Tyler Dorsey staying. Even though he has his mind locked on the NBA, it doesn't really mean that he's going to make it, so... Yeah, there's question about Panathinaikos from Dimitris uh, Volumas. Uh, the Greek sides announced agreement with Paris Lee for the next year. Do you have any insights about what's going on? If Yanakopoulos will refinance the team, who will be the coach, the size of the budget? Because I can't imagine the, that the player with a season Lee had would commit to a team like Pau as it is today without speaking with someone and presenting him a plan of how the team will be, what his role is going to be, uh, etc. Uh, we are in the dark. We are in the dark in Greece. No, we are in Lithuanian dark. I mean, we have plus 10 outside, so we are in the dark. But anyway, basically for the team's future, so any information will be much appreciated. Okay, so from what I've heard, I, I won't help you a lot because there's still a lot of uncertainty over the, first of all, ownership uh, of the club, if you know, Yanakopoulos will sell the team or not. And so far, the coach is Vovoros, but it's still not clear who will be coaching the team next season. It might look that Pedulakis is, let's say, building the roster, building the team. But me personally, I cannot imagine, you know, building the roster for the next year in a healthy, in, in such an environment when you don't have any um, clear indications what's going on with your team. So, Panthakos fans probably, they still have to suffer or at least to be patient and to expect some 
quick changes in in terms of not you know being too late in the markets. Mm. So it's it's tough. It's tough for Panikos. Although you know. It, it looks bad, but at the same time, they will face a, a massive rebuild, I think. But when you have a core of Papa Petru, Papa Yanis, you already have a Paris Lee. Of course, I, I wouldn't sign him as my um, primary point guard. As Fenerbahce, as Itudis, I would love to see him as a backup. I wouldn't sign him as my main point guard. But anyway, you already have a nice core of local stars, of Papa Yanis and Papa Petru. So... Making some smart decisions, building your roster with some good up-and-coming uh, players, uh, making this massive rebuild. I mean, they should and they could be much better uh, the next season, but they need smart people in these positions uh, to, to make all these decisions. Yeah, they had Papayanis and Papa Petru this season and, and they just surrounded them with random players. Yeah. I mean, Nedovic is, is, is great, but... He's also expensive, so then you're facing the situation when you invest most of your budget to like three or four players, and then you're gonna gamble with really random oh. Americans. So I don't know. Uh, Paris Lee, as you said, uh, a great energy player, a talented left-handed point guard. I don't see him running the show being the main guy. Uh, 18, 20 minutes from him, sort of Lekavicius role. Yeah, exactly. also had exactly. Lekavicius, uh Xavi Pasquale sign him. We're gonna have to wait and see who's who's the coach and what other signings they will make, uh, on what budget they are working. I'm not a fan of this coach's roulette, like, but luck is always is in the picture. Like Vovoros tried once, now he's gonna try again. I, uh, with Dimitris Priftis, it didn't look like it's a long-term project. I'm not even sure why Priftis signed for Pau because he was in a good situation in Kazan at, at that moment. So the uncertainty is there. And, and uh, if Greek people that are close to the club are, are in the dark, we in Lithuania, well, you're a basketball insider. You have some knowledge and information, but obviously right now it's it's not clear what's going to happen. The clear thing is that Pau has the EuroLeague license mm. and they are in the EuroLeague even though they are suffering. Unless uh, Dimitris will do something crazy. Hopefully not. I want to have power here because it's a legendary club and eventually it should be again competing. And there's still a lot of potential for, even for, in for this for situation. Titles, for, yeah. for playoffs and stuff like that. Because right now Olympiakos is, is the dominant team. Yeah. They were in the final four. Although the gap between budgets is not so significant. So, But the decision making in the last few years was so much better they just went two different yeah. ways nikos another greek question let's see what do you think is the most clutch euroleague player of all time because nikos is rolling with spanulis and do we find uh, anything better than spanulis well at you have to moments? go with spanulis but but you know sergio you had so many amazing moments he, he he's a very clutch player i know right now he's a veteran aging veteran that he had some serious injuries, but if you look at his best seasons, how many buzzer beaters did he make? And we're not only talking about three pointers at a buzzer, we're talking about full court shots. Mm. I believe he had a game winner in Valencia from from his side of the court. He just threw the ball almost to the ceiling and it went in a very clutch performer. Uh, yes, Panulis, as you said. In today's game, we actually have some 
interesting options. For example, Mike James, he was he made a lot of game winners. But Even his, his is track becoming. record is like 50-50 because it's one true. week you're sitting here talking about why did he take the step uh -huh. back free over Tavares and the other week you're that was, sitting uh, and talking, oh, what yeah, a shot. Yeah, that was more common topic for the this this season, for example. But previously with Ceska, he made a lot of game winners. Vasily Misic is becoming that clutch yeah. Uh, yeah. elite Corey Higgins. player. Corey Higgins Corey as well. Higgins, a killer. Even Luka, Luka Doncic, I mean, he made some game winners, although he played only a couple of years. Yeah, but Vasilis is still on the top. No, no, no. Spanulis is still on the top, for sure. Just because, not, not only because of how many clutch shots he made, but the importance of those games. We're talking about the Final Four. It's not like a regular season game ending with, with a game-winning shot. Usually, Spanulis didn't have good shooting percentages actually throughout the whole year. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to Final Four, he, he, when he has the ball in his hands, the other team is preparing for a nightmare. And, and if you're an Olympiacos supporter, you're always trusting him, even though he had like a 29% season from free. So yeah, he's still there. But Sergio Yui, one of my favorites, talking about clutch shots in Europe. There's interesting question related to the NBA, so that's where I will I will uh, I, I want to hear your opinion. That's that's a kind of a thought I would say, not a question, but still. Charlie Saturday, good stuff, fellas. Happy to have discovered your pod. Message would be a perfect fit on the box. We need everything he excelled at in Europe and have the pieces to cover for him defensively. Uh, he's got to earn it though. Nothing in the NBA is guaranteed based on European resumes, just as the reverse is often true for Americans abroad. But anyway, what do you think about this idea of Mitsich uh, going to Milwaukee, for example? Well, Mitsich in Milwaukee might be possible, uh, but then some adjustments need to be made because Mitsich needs a role. And yes, uh, nothing in the NBA is given. You still need to prove that, but he will only sign knowing that he's going to have some trust. And right now, uh, Milwaukee is going with Drew Holiday sort of as a point guard. Everybody knows that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the creator. Uh, but uh, Drew Holiday is their actual point guard, right? So if Mitsich is there, he wants to be the starting point guard. Doesn't matter if he's going to play 25 or 30 minutes, but he wants to be on the starting lineup. It has to be Mitsich and Holiday. Holiday more as a shooting guard. But then I have a problem because Grayson Allen had a fantastic year and his minutes could suffer. Um, Milwaukee, well, they're going to have to sign somebody gambling a little bit because they're not in a position to change the roster with some blockbuster trade or anything like that. They just need some good pieces around Antetokounmpo and they have some aging veterans to replace. A backup point guard, right, was a struggle for them. Like you're they went with George Hill again um, last season. Who was there? Jeff Teague, I believe. He had no impact, really. But Vasa Mitchis doesn't want to be a backup point guard playing like 10 or 12 yeah. minutes. So if you're bringing him in, you're going to have to think how he's going to function alongside Drew Holiday. And on the defensive end, you're going to have a lot of size in the first and second positions and, and a lot of... Uh, power. Uh, Drew Holiday is one of the best on-ball defenders. Mitsic, he can be a good defender. It's just that on FS team, he needed to carry the load offensively. So 
he was saving some energy. You couldn't call him an elite defensive player, mm -hmm. but he has the tools. So it might be an interesting option, I don't know. Uh, usually NBA clubs that already had success with European players are more um, open to bringing other European players to their uh, franchise. So when you already have experience with Yanis Antetokounmpo, trusting a Serbian player is it's probably easier for you. Jakari Roki, why Ergin Ataman was not in your top five list we presented during the season? Uh, I appreciate if you could explain. I'm talking about myself. I, I remember that I don't even remember who was on my top five. The whole top five I cannot remember, but uh, obviously Trinkieri, Sharas, and Chavi was Lasso were there. Was 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 there. Then there was something between Tudis, Messina, and Trinkieri, probably. But anyways, our selection was pretty clear, I think. We took tacticians, let's say, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Great basketball minds, having a huge impact on their teams. And usually this impact, especially in Trinquieri's case, that's a game changer for an organization like uh, Bayern. Uh, and in my, in my situation, I took and I still take Ataman more as a, let's say, manager. Uh, first of all, he's great at building rosters. He was always great at building rosters, uh, starting from, I don't know, Galatasaray, uh, for example, uh, other teams. Because on the court, when it takes on-court things, uh, he trusts players' talent. Yeah. And he goes with their talent rather than putting them in some systems and, you know, um, making a priority for his uh, uh, tactic ideas. So maybe that that's my explanation. But at the same time, we have to recognize the change of the way we approach coaching nowadays. And I think that we already discussed it in the previous episode, yeah. where I said that coaches now, more and more, they're starting to be more as the managers, considering the um, huge, huge workload these players have playing every two or three days, uh, considering all these 80 games uh, per season and all these talents now they have on the court. So for sure, we have to, I think that now we have to put uh, Ataman in this uh, top list I mean, and recognize his impact from manager standpoint. Be yeah. Because you know, now there's a that line between managing and coaching is, is very, very It's thin. a little bit unfair uh, to compare coaches. It's always the easiest way is to compare their titles, but they're different. I mean, if you and think they're in different environments, if, it's if different to be a head coach, coach of Barca and Bayern or Jalgeris yeah, or so Alba. If you're thinking about the coach who can uh, have success with a small budget team, lead Jalgeris to a final four or, or lead Bayern uh, to the EuroLeague playoffs, I cannot imagine Ataman doing that. But Charas and Trinkieri, they did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, they but, showed but on coaching, two different but levels. But coaching superstars and winning titles, playing great basketball, right now, Ataman is the trendsetter. He's showing the way. So it's different. Lasso is kind of the similar style, right? But he, I think that he makes more tactical adjustments, let's say, than Ataman. Probably so, yeah. Especially in the last few seasons when he didn't have Campasso or Doncic. Mm. But... Uh, you know, it requires different qualities. If if you're coaching uh, Bayern Munich, it's one thing. But again, if Trinkieri eventually goes to one of the final four teams. Yeah, for example, teams, he was very close to CSKA. So it's a whole different conversation. Yes. So, I mean, the top five is just something based on your 
own understanding of of, of what makes a great coach yeah. but at the same time it's really unfair to rank these coaches to say that this one is better than that one i mean come on and ataman is a, is a champion i i don't have any problems with his coaching methods and there's a question about ataman and turkish national team by bulent mazachoglu probably uh, do you really think having a struggle with these Turkish damn, names right? a lot of questions from Turkish fans we're really thankful uh, but yeah I, I will start I will need to learn something about pronouncing their names in Turkey just oh yeah we got we got some consultations with him for sure do you think Turkey has a chance to win the Eurobasket after Ataman Ataman has claimed his new target yeah that's the question okay uh they actually they made their preliminary roster for the World Cup qualifiers and They have a solid core, I would say, with Larkin, Chedi Osman, Korkmaz, Shangun, Yurta Seven, Shanli, for example. That's already solid core uh, in a tournament where you don't have to be deep in a short uh, tournament yeah. like Eurobasket. I mean, it's already a nice thing to have before you start. Well, usually, usually you need some luck to win a Eurobasket. And the Turkish team could be inspired by the current European champions, Slovenia. Slovenia won the Eurobasket with, you could say six or seven players, uh, but they have had greatness. Wow, you said that current European champions and I just we, we didn't, I just understood that we had the Eurobasket in Euro 2017. Wow, yeah, five years since the last, was one. The last one. We had a World Cup, we had the Olympics, we didn't have a Eurobasket. Uh, Luka it, was a teenager, Randolph was playing for Slovenia, Goran Dragic was playing. Yeah was final uh Goran Dragic's Kokoshkov. final game for Slovenia. yeah Koshkov was the head coach right and but again my point is yeah, they okay, had sorry. like six or seven players they had six or seven they had Dragic they had Doncic they had Prepelic it was his great tournament mm. after which he signed with Real Madrid um they had uh Randolph and all the other guys will were just helpers like like I don't know Vidmar. Vidmar and and some others uh so six or seven quality players is enough you need to have some balance in a team and similarities are there because Dragic Doncic Larkin and Osman they're kind of different but Larkin Those is a star from back or stars Larkin is a star in FIBA basketball yeah. Osman is also an elite player Korkmaz you could compare him to Prepelic in some ways uh then they have good centers I I'm not sure about the power forward position because Shengun and Yurcheven both are pure centers very skilled players mm -hmm. although still very young uh winning Eurobasket it needs some you need some luck as I said um sometimes in the quarterfinal things are not going your way and I don't know you just need to be lucky uh but yeah they can compete they I could see them making it to the quarterfinals maybe semifinals if if we're comparing rosters I obviously see teams much better than them Serbia France still we have to wait for the final I'm rosters. very excited actually about Germany they're hosting the Eurobasket and and I I was sitting on my laptop one day and I was thinking about uh, what roster can the Germany national team bring and I thought wow there's so much potential you have some veterans at the same time you have very exciting young players I'm so excited to see Franz Wagner in, in the national team with his brother so really Germany as the as the hosts kind of they underrated have the, team, they have their strongest roster there's so much potential in there and uh, you're thinking like not so long ago it was only about Dirk Nowitzki but right now 
they have a great centers, great power forwards. They have Dennis Schroeder. They have the Wagner brothers. They had some guys from Euroleague like Maodolo, a quality players. So wow, really, I'm excited to see what they can do. The FIBA, the FIBA system is so cruel. Like up until now, we didn't see the true Latvian team with all of them their players being in their prime since 2017 right now yeah. some of them are declining some of them have disappeared from the picture it's not we're not sure about porzingis porzingis last played in 2017 in that same Eurobasket in the quarterfinal against slovenia and slovenia is facing similar issues because it's difficult for them to qualify when they're playing in the qualifying windows without NBA and Euroleague players. Now they're even bringing Goran Dragic back for the World Cup qualifiers and specifically for the game against Croatia this He's going to play? It's, it sounds like it's, oh he's going God. to play. I was When I saw the news, I was so excited before because I thought that he's going to play in the Eurobasket actually. But no, it's it's focused only on that Just particular to the game. Team to, to, Probably to maybe it's, it's also going to be like a farewell game for him. I don't know. Okay. It's, it's a weird situation mm. because he already announced that he retired even last year he joined the let's say delegation of Slovenian national team who was um, on the sidelines but he, he he didn't play although of course there was always an idea that maybe he can he can join the team yeah but Turkey they have a nice team. it's a solid core to make a, a case nice for some interesting I remember run. them in the World Cup in 2019 in China they were not that bad uh, they didn't have Larkin they had Wilbekin uh, they were competing against Team USA they lost only in the last seconds. I know it wasn't the greatest USA team, but still, again, you were playing against Tatum, Brown, and other big players. Uh, Gurkov, which team or teams are you going to see as a trouble to deny FS3 Pete next season? M my list is pretty short, well, actually. It's the usual suspects. I mean, it's, it's a budget league. All, the teams, all the teams with big budgets. Yeah. And or okay, Oli, maybe. But basically, it's Barca, Real, and I think that Milan Fenerbahce. will be significantly We'll see better. what's, what's going to happen yeah. with, with the this. But yeah, it's the usual suspects. Barca, Real, they're the front runners, obviously. Milan also, the rumors that they're signing Brandon Davis and some other elite EuroLeague players. So it's, it's, a, it's an easy question, easy one. actually. Easy one. Linder has a question. Do you... Can you rank, okay, can you just put your possible top three under the radar free agents, uh, which could have a high impact on every EuroLeague team next year? Mm, well, we, we've mentioned some of those names. We've talked about Vesely, Schengelia, NBA guys coming back like Satoransky. I would mention also Luca Vildosa. He could. Ah, he okay, should make a comeback to him. Europe. It, it, he didn't have any success in, in the NBA. I saw him watching the Basconia game actually uh, last weekend. Uh, but probably the question is more focused on uh, Euro, current EuroLeague players that are becoming free agents, right? Probably, and not these on the spotlight. So what say. do you think? I mean, Lorenzo Brown, John Brown, those guys that are leaving the Russian teams. I, I think that they're, let's say, one of among um, I would put them among the top for agents. So yeah. I was looking for under the radar uh, players, mm. and I think that we forgot about Mike Toby. Okay, he's he, okay. He's kind of you know on the border of EuroCup and Euroleague because if Valencia and probably Valencia will get that wild card, he becomes the Euroleague player. But anyway, he's a free agent, and he he's an interesting name uh, to think for the other Euroleague teams. I also thought about Shabazz Napier. Because the, the way he played for Zenit in the preseason pre was really inspiring. But at the same time, he misses 
basically two years of active, uh, active play basketball. Mm. So I would be intriguing to see if he could be a big boost even for bigger EuroLeague teams. Mm. And then probably Billy Barron could be really intriguing fit for teams like even Real to replace JC Carroll or or even Barcelona, for example. Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon. Is he joining FS? It's it's not clear. There are very is, mixed is, rumors. Is more or less yeah. a done deal, no, Clyburn right? is done. So Dwayne Bacon, another exciting free agent. Mike James. We're not sure mm. about his contract situation. But if Mike James is there, it's a top shelf free agent. A player that changes everything if you sign him. Lazar Shutovic has a question. Shutovic, yeah, has a question about Red Star. What sensible transfers would you make for Red Star? Resigning Walters or not, resigning Hollins or not, extending White's team option. Who would you sign as a center? Keep in mind, keep in mind that besides Kalinic, no no yeah. one ever had more than five hundred thousand on a year basis in the club. Yeah, it's a lot easier to discuss here about potential Barcelona signings or Milan. And basically, all these and names <laughs> we mentioned in the previous yeah. question, and they're out of. Uh, for Cervantes Vesda, well, it's kind of kind of hard to throw some particular names, but uh, my it's opinion, easy. It puts all these physical guys: Roland <laughs> Schmidt, Tonya <laughs> Jakiri, Nigel Williams, uh, Nigel Hayes, Davis, yeah. uh, Chris Jones. It's typical red star uh, but profile player. You know, you have some certain limitations, yeah. so you need, to have that you need to have priorities. Order. Austin Hollins, I think I'm not keeping him. Nate Walters, yeah, why not? More or less the same money, probably. It's not like he's going to have some lucrative offers. So if you can keep him, he was playing good basketball this mm. season. Uh, my main investment would be a mobile center because still you would love to have an option to play switch all defense a little bit more when you already have tall forwards like Kalinic and a tall guard like Dobrich and other guys. And um, during the season, I was thinking what a great fit Josh Nebo could be for Zvezda right now. He's probably uh, going to sign for... It seems like it's, he's going to have Clubs with more money, yeah. FS, yeah. So some something similar. And, and as you're Zvezda, Zvezda, you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper, look for somebody in the French league, uh, some players from the FIBA Champions League or maybe in the Euro Cup, but a mobile center is a must, in my opinion, if you have like Kuzmich as your starting guy. Uh, Mitrovic was okay this season covering that position, but uh, I would prefer to have a, a mobile center. Aaron White? Yeah, why not? A hard worker, a big body, a strong body, a power as a power forward, he's okay for a team with a defensive mentality. And, and Zvezda, for them, the only way to win is, is through defense, obviously. Being very physical. I'm a bit surprised that I don't see any rumors about Jonathan Motley and Euroleague teams because I would love to see him uh, in the league. Okay, he's more offensive-oriented player, but he can also be efficient uh, defensively. And especially for the team like Red Star, it's probably the best uh, platform, I mean, for them to offer him a solid, solid starting center minutes because I would... I would actually love to see him in FS as a backup uh, or any other uh, big team. I just, I just have doubts if he's in range of Red Star uh, salary uh, limitations. But the worst part is that yeah, I have probably the list of top ten centers, and there's no way that Red Star can get him, get them, uh, money wise. So they will have to be creative. 
and they will have to risk with somebody. But if, if there's any possibility to get players like Jonathan Mobley, but also they were amazing. the worst shooting team in the league. Mobley can spread the floor no, as a center. Let's say that's not my point about center. Uh, I'm, I'm saying about other players. They were the worst shooting team in the league, and you need to address the issue. Uh, they finished okay. They were actually kind of close to the playoffs, but. Thinking about the long term in modern day basketball without good spacing and shooting is so hard. Yes, you're grinding those games at home and getting wins because of your physicality, but I think you still need better shooters. And and Zvezda, they had Jordan Lloyd, they had Kevin Punter, pure scorers, and somebody of this caliber, mm -hmm. I could see that working alongside Kalinich and Walters. So a better shooter, someone who can shoot off the dribble. Hollins was supposed to be the player, actually. Mm. after the season he had in Zenit, but it turned out that Hollins for Svesda was more of a defensive presence than, yeah. than a scorer, So, this, which is why I'm not keeping him. I'm looking for somebody who could be more Maybe Svesda need a different type of guard. A shooter. I, I would I'm love to see Austin Hollins and, and top teams as a rotation uh, player. Oh, my knee made a bad sound. <laughs> I'm old. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, a shooter, basically. They had Billy Barron, for example. Svezda had Billy Barron. Mm. If you can bring him back. Probably not. Probably not, but just an idea of, of what profile player uh, I would sign for, for Svezda. Okay, now we're going to be uh, rich with Milan and Ricardo Brambil Brambilia and Guven Turk. They have kind of similar question. Uh, I, I will change it a little bit. With the signings of... Davis, Pangos, Voitman. Uh, will Milan be a yearly contender next year? Okay, now I would rephrase the question. Do you think that Milan already improved the roster with all these upcoming uh, signings? It's not official well, yet, but yeah, it's yeah. of course heading towards well, this direction. Pangos is probably replacing Chacho, right? Because yeah, Chacho uh, is heading to Real Madrid. Johannes Voitman replacing Dinos Mitoglu. Mm-hmm. Perfect signing. And Davis, <sighs> Brandon Davis replacing no Terzuski. He's replacing Terzuski, so it's already a huge Come improvement. On, man. Yeah. You have Heinz and Davis on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> they were contenders this season. They were contenders mm. last season. So there's it's a no-brainer. They're gonna be contenders next season as well. But if if they sign these players and they will have to bring somebody to replace Malcolm Delaney. Yeah, as also, a starting scorer. So Kevin Pangos, you they already have shields, so yeah. Davis replacing Caleb Terzuski. Yeah. So you, you have Davis and Heinz. Messina's gonna look at to his bench and he will think, hmm, today, should I play the last minutes with Heinz, defensive <laughs> player of the year, or should I go for Davis? Yes, they are going to be a contenders. First world problems. <laughs> They're going to be contenders. Uh, and there's a question about non-contending teams like Jalgiris by Elius. Best yeah. option for Jalgiris in the point guard position? Mm, I need someone who can... <laughs> Take the ball, play aggressive, one-on-one, -on -one, ISO, uh, attack the switch. Way Baldwin. Attack the switch all defense. You know, maybe it's just because of yesterday's game. Uh, but uh, Jalgiris has a small budget, right? I saw this guy. Uh, I, it's not the first time I saw him this season. He hasn't been the most consistent player on the planet mm. Earth. But he plays with very positive energy. He's 
I mean, he just brings positivity all over the court, all over Who? the floor. Wait, Bolden? I'm, I'm gonna get to it. No. Okay, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I was I'm, okay. I'm gonna yeah, get to concerned. it. Man. Okay, I'm gonna get to the yeah. name. Just be patient. <laughs> just after yesterday's game because he was so amazing yesterday, okay. and like I say, he's very positive. A great teammate. Uh, the supporters love him. He communicates with the crowd. He's always involved. Dylan Ennis. Dylan Ennis, yeah. man. I mean. I just love him. He's playing with a smile on his face, and I know he has some flaws. He's a thirty percent three point shooter, and he's not very consistent. Some of his shots, the shot selection, could be questionable, right? But it's Jalgiris. It's not like Jalgiris. Jalgiris is, uh, is on the market for a perfect player. Dylan Ennis has a lot of potential. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> Why not go for somebody like this? It it, it adds something mm. uh, to make you unpredictable. Because this season, Jalgiris was so predictable, so easy to read. And you need a player that can give you that spark. Wade Baldwin might be too expensive. Yeah, of course. But Dylan Ennis from Gran Canaria, why not? And you don't have any risk with him that he's going to cause problems in the locker room because he's a great guy. The feedback from his previous coaches and teammates is, is amazing. So why not? Yeah, that's an interesting name. Kyle Allman is also an interesting name, but I'm just not sure if he's really uh, ready. Um, I, I have this list of like top 10, top 15 point guards, and I can really find a hard time uh, to find, let's say, affordable point guard for Jalgiris. Nate Walters, I wouldn't go with Nate Walters. He's no. kind of, you know, that easy decision. I need more athleticism in this team. Yeah. We need more athletic players. Of course, it depends on what kind of, other players they're gonna sign because we also have a lot of uncertainties. Uh, only with Ulanovas and Lekaviches probably in but the again, roster for next year. What we've learned from the season, it has to start from the perimeter players. You need to have athleticism, strength, and power in the first and second positions. You need to have creators that can attack these Euroleague defenses. And from what I'm hearing, if Shalgiris again is gonna throw money to centers like Gudaitis or Motiunas like, no, it's like very they've unlikely. done I now mean, with Laverne. Yeah. They have to learn from their mistakes. Yeah. So Yeah, because first of all they're going after Lithuanian because of the passport. Well, of and then they they're are. going after centers which in today's basketball they're more their style of their game is more for a fits of of, of a backup center. Yeah. So they have to be, as you said, modern, versatile, uh, mobile. And, I just and threw the name of Dylan Ennis, but actually, you know, in, in, no, in, no, the, in, the, ACB, the, in the ACB League, there's a lot of talent uh, besides those EuroLeague teams, but in, in other clubs that some of them didn't even make the playoffs. The ACB League is so strong, so you can search yeah. for Go after Tyson Carter, there. for example, like one my good friend offered this, this option. I mean, after names which can... Which after growing players and proven players yeah. who can be big uh, in the future. Uh, Nikolai III has a question uh, about Sharas. Uh, after all these years as a head coach and all the hype around his name, how do you rate Sharas' performance, ideas, and in-game coaching? Do you put him at the top tier of the coaches in the EuroLeague? Yeah, he's in a top tier, of course. Uh, Vladimir Lucic said that, in his opinion, uh, and Tinkieri and Sharas are the greatest. There's, there's, I would say, a lot of hate uh, for Sharas, but I think he proven on both levels that he's a great coach, both leading the, let's say, bottom budget team to the Final Four, and then 
making these final four appearances with Barcelona, being only one game away well. from, from the EuroLeague, and yeah, winning Copa del Rey and ACB. We don't know what's going to happen uh, this season, if, if, if they they will retain the title or not. It's mm. all obviously very important. We're still there in a But great position. You have to rate him as a successful coach so far. And let's not forget, as a head coach, he's still pretty young. He's very young. Yeah. He's only in his probably sixth year of coaching. So and I actually checked where, for example, some other coaches were after six seasons. Yeah. Jorgos Barsokas, the head co uh, the coach of the year, he was coaching Panionios. Trinchieri, he was the head coach of Canto. Pablo Lasso, he was working for San Sebastian. And Ataman, he just got the job in, in FS and in Siena. I mean, he's a very young coach and For what he did, he already he already proved that he's he's a he's great and he deserved that kind of hype. Yeah, he he's a great basketball mind, and again, it's coming from a guy who is not the biggest supporter of Barcelona the way yeah, they play yeah. basketball. I I, I, I definitely prefer the Anadol Efes yeah. way or the Real Madrid way. Not right now, maybe, but in in Pablo Lasso's best seasons when they had amazing point guards. So it's not like I'm a huge fan of Sharas and how he sees basketball, but he's a genius. He's a ba great basketball mind. It has to be said. Yeah, these are facts. These just are poor facts. I, I kind of, I know what you're going to say, but okay, let's try. Kyle Tennessee, EuroLeague All-Star Weekend. Could that be possible and would you like to see it? Yeah. I don't, really. It's even hard for me to watch the NBA All-Star game. Which they, they really improved. Right now they improved it yeah. with the new format. You know what? The problem is the calendar. We don't have any space. Okay, um, even if we have space for this yearly Gold Star weekend. You know, if it's Americans against Europeans, I believe that if you put some prize money on the table, the American players will have a lot of motivation to mm. kick their asses. And, maybe. And with maybe. guys like Mike James, when you read what, what, what they're writing on Twitter, uh, it could be an interesting game. Americans. Shane Larkin against Sosile Mitic, okay. So Shane Larkin would play for the Europeans. No, 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 no. We cannot do that. <laughs> really. We have to put him, let's say, on his primary. Uh, Because Dorsey has a Greek citizenship. Yeah, it's tricky. Turkish. It's tricky. But, okay, if it's Americans against Europeans, it might work. I just don't see that happening. Um, EuroLeague, they're not looking at their product uh, as um, spreading business where they take a lot of money from uh, televisions and an all-star game is basically something for the television and for you to sell expensive tickets which city could have a sold out crowd for a euroleague all-star weekend mm -hmm. uh, no. good question and again the players right now we're talking in the in the end of may they are so tired of playing too many games and coaches are always complaining and Now you got, you would need to ha find a space for for some All Star ah. weekend when when they have a break in the Euroleague. Which league did when uh, it, instead of uh, so let's see Russian Cup, yeah, th that's their problem. But <laughs> when when Euroleague has a break, it's for domestic cups. No one's gonna yeah, yeah. sacrifice. No calendar wise, there's no yeah. chance. No, it's impossible. Uh, Stefan, you now Jovanovic has a question. Do you see Do you see Virtus back on the map as an European powerhouse capable of signing major stars long term and competing yeah. for Final Four, since they apparently have very ambitious plans for the summer? Uh, I will put some information at first, yeah. and then uh, you 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 will say if you see them contending for the title, for example, or not. But you mean next season? Yeah, because okay. from example, uh, I heard that Virtus. They were really they're still chasing for star players, 
both for their backcourt and front line, and they, then they can pay huge money. And they already have Daniel Hackett, Paola, Bellinelli, Kyle Weems, Cordonier, Jaite, uh, Teodosic is probably staying. And as I said, they will improve the budget, say to fight for the final four. The big signings, uh, both at center or guard positions. Do you think it's enough to, to be a title contender? I will rate their chances of being title contenders for next season when when we know the rosters right now I, I can mm. I, don't, I don't really have a strong opinion but okay. but answering In the question about them this being, year's league, for being back on the map I'm going to be really brutal any club with a big budget can be back on the map like like this way your history really, doesn't so matter Europe. It, it doesn't matter that much uh your previous achievements they don't really matter it's about the budget. It's a budget league, let's be fair. So if they have a big budget, they have a chance. Of course. Uh, I'll wait to see which players they sign. What they have so far, I could see them maybe being in competition for the playoffs, but probably not for the Final Four. But let's wait. Let's wait and see what they build. Yeah, I also, I'm the fan of let's see, long-term projects. I'm the fan of ideas that, okay, these teams have to be ready uh, for this title. They have to make themselves, let's say, prepare for it. But at the same time, Monaco, they broke all these rules actually this year. I would say random team randomly built in, in September with some unexpected uh, adjustments managed, despite all the, let's say, off-the-court issues, managed to be one game away from the Final Four. Yep. Okay, with all this Russian team situation, it also had an impact. But anyways, I mean, so watching Virtus right now, they are way more prepared for the Final Four uh, than Monaco. So it's it's really not impossible for Virtus to, to make the Final Four. Yeah. And we have some other questions left, but I see that we already took some, some time of it. And I will just go where, where actually people making this Q&A session, that's what this was all about. Too many questions about Ergen Ataman and his last impression of, of this season. Not today, man. Not today, man. I'm this gonna is recover. Not the day I'm yet. gonna recover and because now it's not gonna sound great. Yeah. And if because I, Ataman it, has that strong, strong doing, voice, powerful voice, and energy. I want to be uh I in want, your I want it to be as as best as, as it can be in my best shape. And right now, nah, nah. Let's keep something for the upcoming Q and A's sessions because we will have some. Yep. We we had some questions about Eurobasket, but guys, it's still it's so still early to talk it's, when it's we don't have yeah. roster projections, uh, projections or anything. Yeah. So let's keep it for the next one because Ataman will be in the Eurobasket, which I'm really happy about. Okay, probably we'll going to to Germany, and it's a question if we will have Turkey in the final stage. Probably, maybe, most likely. But anyway, he's gonna be uh, another big reason to follow this Eurobasket. Yeah, every day is a good day for Ataman impressions, but today uh, today today, today is just bad timing. He actually had a nice <laughs> interview after the final four, which you can find on basketnews.com. Just put Argin Ataman basketnews.com and you will find the late, latest interview uh, on our website uh, where he told that Jock Landil was close to signing to FS but he went to San Antonio and they made a mistake signing Petrushev some other interesting things like Chris Singleton saying something and predicting something, something for the playoffs and for the championship round so that was a thoughtful interview uh, recommendation but anyways 
thank thank you all for all these questions. Uh, it it took some time. It took few hours. Uh, we we didn't even put all these questions in in this edition. Uh, so so sorry for all these questions that weren't answered. But we're kind of short of time. And anyway, keep keep them for the next Q and A session. And yeah, it is Mishnauskas Donatas Rubanas. Follow us on basketnews.com.